Open your Bibles this morning uh, to um, St. Paul's letter to the Colossian church. This being uh, Thanksgiving Sunday, um, I'm going to speak very directly to the subject of being thankful. Pretty obvious. I do want to note that next Sunday begins Advent. Um, If you're not a big uh, celebrator of Advent, the four Sundays before Christmas, I really strongly recommend that you do so. Uh, Take time during the next four weeks to read the gospel records of the birth narrative repeatedly, meditate on them. There's incredible, incredible things there. Also passages like Isaiah chapter 11, uh, first 10 verses, Malachi chapter 3, the first six verses, those two passages kind of bookend uh, what you'll read in the Gospels. Take time in this season to meditate on what this is all about. So, But for this morning, Thanksgiving. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Father, we do Uh, Thank you this morning for so many things. So much of what Dahlia said, Lord, the blessings that you pour into our lives, Father, through this community of faith, through those, Lord, who walk this walk of faith with us, enrich us, Father, sometimes challenge us, sometimes um, bless us with the help they need, and in blessing them, we are blessed, Lord. And indeed, they may minister to us. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for your word. The truth that your word speaks to our lives. And we thank you, Father, um, for your son. All, all that all that he has done and is doing for us, your spirit, his work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're gonna be celebrating Thanksgiving on Thursday. Extraordinary, extraordinary day. It's my 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 favorite holiday. Great day to gather and to focus, to meditate. Remember, um, all of his goodness. I have always wondered um, about people that, that don't have faith, that, don't, that you know, don't believe in God. When they gather on Thanksgiving, who do they think? I've always wondered that. Because we as the people of God have someone to thank. And we have a place. We have this instinctive knowledge that we are blessed, some in, in greater measure than others, but we're blessed. We're blessed beyond what we deserve. And we know, we know where to put that sense, that feeling of thankfulness. So um, we say thank you. You ever wonder what that word actually means, though? Thank you. Where does that come from? Well, our English word thank you, this is fascinating, uh, comes from a Latin root that means to think. Interesting. So when you tell someone thank you, you're saying that I'm taking time to think about what you just did for me, or what you are doing for me, or you have, I'm actually noticing it. You're acknowledging mentally what's been done for you, and that's important to do that. Most of us, at least in my generation, had parents that um, always taught us to remember your pleases and thank yous. Um, I have to admit, in most cases, that was from a um, you'll do better in life motivation than any kind of moral imperative. But it was still there, the importance of saying thank you. It's good advice. But what exactly are we saying when we say thank you? So that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, what does it mean 
when we say thank you. What does it mean? And then secondly, why it is so important, and it most certainly is. And then thirdly, just some observations about how to go about doing it on a daily, daily basis. So first, when we say thank you, exactly what do we mean? Well, again, our English word thank you uh, goes back to a Latin root. It's been in existence in the English language for about 800 years. Um, but the word Paul uses uh, in writing the Colossian church, the biblical word, um, is, is much more powerful, I think. Uh, and many of you I know, we've talked about this word before. It's the word of karisto, right? Use it even today in modern Greek. You thank someone for something they do. You say of karisto. Um, it is both a, a verb, an action, and an adjective. It describes something else. Uh, many of you would recognize the word if your background is in higher church, like, a, like, a, like an Anglican church or something, where they call the communion that we share, it's called the Eucharist. And if you ever wondered where that, that word came from, that's where it comes from. It comes from the word thank you, to say thanks. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, as we get farther into this. Um, interestingly, though, uh, it, I should say, it comes from two words, as many Greek words do, right? Um, it comes from the, the U or F sound, it's F karisto in Greek, um, which just means good or pleasant, or open or free. Uh, if you're riding in a car, for example, in Greece, and you're driving and somebody else is navigating, and you're starting to get anxious about you know, where you're supposed to turn off, they'll go, Ephthia, Ephthia. That just means don't worry about it, just go straight, right? It's, it's just, don't worry, just relax, just go. Just go. It's a very open, freeing kind of expression. And then um, it's F, and then the second part is haristos, right? It's from the word haris, which means freely, connected with the idea of grace. We all know from our, our Christian lexicon, our Christian vocabulary, that grace is unmerited favor, something given freely. It's also connected to the word, it, it actually, uh, if you go back to the root, uh, its word is hara, which is one of my absolute favorite Greek words. It means joy, hara. And um, one of the reasons it's my favorite word is Greeks that don't speak any English don't do well with the J sound. It's not in their alphabet, right? So my name's not a problem because my name is a Greek name. They go, Yanis, boom, easy. But Joyce really threw them for a loop. They couldn't say it, right? So they say, well, what does joy mean? Well, he means joy. Well, hara. So that's her name in Greek. So if you want to address my wife in Greek, you just say hara, joy. So that's why. It's a favorite word of mine. It means joy. It means something given wonderfully to us. In short, when we say thank you, or as Paul would say to the Colossian church, right, do everything with thanks. God's will for you is to be thankful, is to recognize how much You've been freely given. Simple as that. It's an acknowledgement that I have been given something, that we have been given something that we really didn't earn, right? It was freely given despite the fact we probably, um, well, didn't deserve it, right? What was done for us was not obligatory, all right? Now, I've heard people say, well, in that case, when I go in the cafe or the restaurant and the server brings me something, I shouldn't say thank you because they're getting paid to do that, right? Well, hopefully, 
they're doing more than, at least at our cafe, they're doing more than just bringing you the food and depositing it in front of you and walking away, right? Hopefully their attitude, their bearing conveys with it a welcoming, greeting, warming sense that I hope you enjoy yourself while you're here. And that's not what you're paying for. I've, I've heard people say, well, they're only doing that because they want a good tip. Well, good for them. <laughs> they're still doing it freely. They're still doing it. So it's important. It's important to say thank you, right? Here's the big thing, the big thing about saying thank you. To in word or in deed express the fact that I'm thinking about you, what you're doing. I'm thinking about what you've done for me. Here's the big thing about it. To say thank you and mean it. To do something that demonstrates thanks and mean it is to act counter to the culture of entitlement that so easily grips us. We are so, both culturally and in our own nature, given to this sense of, well, it's mine because, well, it just should be. It's mine because I deserve it. This sense of entitlement. Uh, psychologist Dr. George Simon writes, we can fault the entitlement culture of the past many years for many of our social ills. So in other words, the problem isn't just the relationship between you and your server. He identifies this sense of entitlement we have. It's mine because it's like, I just simply want it and it should be. This entitlement mentality as the root cause of many of our social ills. But then he goes on to say this, perhaps its impact on character development is the most disconcerting. You can't separate our social problems from the character crisis. I mean, turn on the news, right? And you hear things and you can't believe them. Like, what would cause a human being to do that? What would motivate a human being to do that? I mean, every day there's something that shocks us. It's a character crisis. People doing things, civilized people, simply should not do. Frequently, commonly, it's almost routine now. This is why this is so important. And Dr. Simon is writing strictly from a humanistic, secular perspective. Her secular writer identifies this ingratitude of the heart, this entitlement sense, as the cause of so many of our ills. So it's, it's really important to, to be thankful. And here are some specific reasons I would suggest for cultivating a mindset and attitude of thankfulness. First of all, it's really good for you. It's healthy to be thankful, right? Um, whenever I study these words, like, you know, Karastos in this case, I always like to go back to where the word was first written because sometimes you don't learn much, but sometimes you learn amazing stuff. Most of the time, words came in the language, the first place you go is, is Plato. I don't actually go there. Other people have done it. I just read their work, right? Because, um, you know, Plato wrote a lot. And Homer, Homer wrote a lot. And so you go back to Homer, he got a really good vocabulary base, right? And that's where you find most of this stuff. But in the case of this word, surprisingly, it doesn't go back to Homer. If Karasto, thank you, goes back to Hippocrates, Hippocrates, father of medicine, you know, the Hippocratic Oath. 
This man was completely consumed by discovering what caused good health. And he's the one who we first find using the word thank you. And he noted that an attitude of thankfulness was a characteristic of a whole and healthy heart. The guy's writing is amazing. He's like a modern holistic thinker. It's just his stuff's, you know, 2,500 years old, older than that. But he noted the importance of thankfulness to our physical, emotional, mental health. Second reason, second reason, um, and I'll be honest with you, I really can't give you a really good Bible verse to back this up. I always try to have a biblical source for everything. You're just going to have to take my word for this one, but I think you will find it agreeable. Not only is being thankful, having an attitude of grateful, better for you. Reason number two, it's better for everybody around you. Can I say that without backing it up with a Bible verse? It's, I mean, who would you rather be around, a thankful person or a narcissistic jerk? Okay, we, can, we can accept that one. Which is better for you in the long run, too. Number three, reason number three, Scripture requires it. It's not just a suggestion. It is not just a suggestion. The imperative to give thanks is found dozens and dozens of times in Scripture. In 1 Chronicles 16, 14, they even appointed people to give thanks. And more than that, it says right in that verse, 1 Chronicles 16, 41, they appointed people and they wrote down their names. This is so important. We're going to give you the job and I'm taking your name down so that if it doesn't get done, I know who to come looking for. Very important, very important, right? New Testament, it's very direct. One classic example, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks. This is God's will for you in Jesus Christ, young people especially. If you find yourself praying, asking, what is God's will for my life? It starts with being thankful. It says it right there. Of course, it's true for all of us as well. To be thankful. It's a biblical imperative. Reason number four. Nothing else persuades you this one will. Ingratitude is really bad for you. A lack of gratitude is not good for your health. First reason it was good for you. Second reason it's good for everybody else. Third reason, Bible tells us to do it. Fourth reason is ingratitude is bad for you. I like to call ingratitude spiritual high cholesterol. Yeah, yeah, spiritual high cholesterol. Um, uh, everybody knows high cholesterol is bad for you, right? The doctor says your, high, your cholesterol is too high. If you don't deal with it, it's going to kill you. Here's the interesting thing, and I may be wrong on this. I did what research I could. I don't know. How many here know that high cholesterol will kill you? We all know that, right? I don't think anybody ever gets high cholesterol put on the death certificate. I don't think the death certificate ever says you died of high cholesterol. It says you died of a heart attack or something else like that, right? But the contributing cause was high cholesterol, right? In the same way, there's a whole host of things that happen to us because of ingratitude. Yeah, some of which can actually, actually kill us, right? It's a contributing factor. Consider this. Um, Romans 1.21, even though they knew God, and Paul's talking about why the wrath of God gets poured out. Now, that's a serious thing. God's wrath, serious as death itself. 
God's wrath is poured out. And then he says, here's why in verse 21 of Romans 1. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Their heart was darkened. So if we could create a spiritual whatever, you know, MRI, if you will, they could look at the human heart and go, ha, this person's got a real problem with ingratitude. I see it right there in the image. It's all black inside. Yeah. Ingratitude has the same effect on the spiritual heart that high cholesterol would have. Um, I, I spoke with one, um, one of my sources for information that uh, this was added. You don't know about the high cholesterol until you get it tested, right? He can have sky high in cholesterol and never have a clue. Isn't that interesting? I've been thinking about that just as we talked. You don't necessarily know how bad your ingratitude is until you start bouncing it off other people and they you know, go, hey. Or you're sensitive to God in a time of devotion and prayer. And you have the courage to ask God to show you what's really in your heart. Don't be too shocked if he says, let's talk about the ingratitude. It's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Ingratitude, it'll kill you. It'll kill you. So how do, we, um, how do we respond in situations where we're just not feeling it? I really don't feel grateful. I really know that I should give thanks, but I really, and I, I've heard this one, well, you know, I don't feel like giving thanks, and God doesn't want me to be fake, right? God doesn't want me to be insincere, so I won't give thanks. Well, that's wrong. He wants you to find a place where you can sincerely give thanks. And how do you do that? By giving thanks. Giving thanks. Taking the, remember that old kids, you know, Sunday school song, count your blessings, name them one by one. A genius wrote that. <laughs> count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. By the very act of being thankful, even if we don't feel like it, we come to a place of thankfulness. I mentioned earlier the communion elements are called the Eucharist, the thank you. That goes all the way back to the late first century. One of the earliest uh, pieces of evidence we have in church history is of gathering for the elements, the Lord's table, communion, whatever you want to call it, and they called it the Eucharist. Why do they call it the Eucharist? Because in that evening in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, you've got to be kidding me. He gave thanks at the moment of his betrayal, and he knew it was coming. If you want a proof text for giving thanks in a moment when you don't feel like it, when circumstances would not incline you to it, I would suggest you won't find one better than that. The most horrific circumstances I can imagine, betrayed to the most horrific death imaginable by one closest to you. And yet he gave thanks. The very act of giving thanks generates gratitude, right? So if we're not feeling especially grateful, that's all the more reason to do it. So how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we express 
Thanksgiving. It's really pretty simple and pretty obvious. I would just note two points, two essential things to do. First of all, make it an action. Thanksgiving has got to be deliberate. We spoke earlier about giving thanks. Seventy times in the Bible, the word giving is associated with thanks. It is an action. It's not just, well, you know, God knows I'm grateful. I don't need to tell him wrong. It's for your benefit and mine that we have to say it, that we have to make it an action, right? Seventy times in Scripture, those two words are connected. Having thankful thoughts simply isn't enough. There needs to be expression. We need to vocalize it. We need to demonstrate it, right? And then, yeah, again, we all, we've all had that sense of, you know, everything on this, if it's Thanksgiving, for example, everything on this table I worked for, yeah, well, great. Who gave you the ability to work for it? Who gave you the opportunities? I mean, that's common sense. We all know that, right? One of the reasons that giving back to God, the act of tithing or giving to his work, is so very important. It's a very conscious, deliberate act of thanksgiving that reminds me that any income that I have is only because of, yes, my hard work, but his graciousness in giving me the ability. So actions that express thanksgiving are so important, not just that God has helped me, but that others have helped me as well. And then the second thing is, I think, maybe a little bit more challenging, to make Thanksgiving a state of mind, to make it a regular part of our being. Listen carefully to that Colossian passage I read before. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were indeed called in one body, and be thankful. It's a condition of being. Grammatically, it's a condition of being. It's an action that one does that reflects back on oneself. The act of being. Become a thankful person. It's important. It's beneficial. But it's not natural. It does not come to us automatically. That's what makes it such a challenge. On our own, we do not gravitate toward it. In fact, our own nature is to gravitate away from it. Again, I would quote Dr. George Simon, who talks about our narcissistic entitlement mentality. He defines, I thought this was fascinating, I had to smile when I read it. Dr. Simon, he's contemporary, he's writing today, he defines ingratitude as a narcissistic attitude that thinks something is mine just because it's available and I want it, right? Those are the two traits of a narcissistic mindset. It's available, and I want it, therefore it's mine. And the reason I had to laugh when I read that is Thikididis, a Greek historian who wrote a little more than 2,000 years ago, is recording a debate that occurred on the island of Miletus in one of those periods where the Greeks were deciding whose side they wanted to join in a war. And the people of Miletus had been invited to join the Athenian side. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the elders of Miletus stood up and said, we don't want to have anything to do with those Athenians because they think something is theirs just because they want it. So Simon quotes almost directly from this 2,000-year-old Greek historian, Thikididis. And it cost the Athenians, in that case, an ally they desperately needed. 
It's, it's, it's nothing new under the sun, right? Absolutely nothing new under the sun. It's just not our nature to be grateful. In fact, we are so easily drawn to ingratitude. I'd like to read a conversation to you, and it's a conversation you know well. Perhaps you've never thought about it in terms of ingratitude. Thought, never thought about it in terms of uh, entitlement. But listen to this conversation and try to pick up the point where gratitude is replaced with ingratitude. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed God has said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Six verses. Six verses. And the, the entire race, the entire human race, went from a place of gratitude to ingratitude because of a sense of entitlement that a simple, that, that two verses was all it took, two verses from the serpent, a question and a statement, and ingratitude found fertile soil. Entitlement grew, and we all know how that ended, right? The idea that I'm owed, that I should have it just because I want it, is absolutely nothing new. It's been around for thousands of years. So what we do this Thursday as a focal point is absolutely essential. To take time to gather, to focus, to remember what we have, and to give thanks. Our welfare, our own welfare demands it. Now don't undo that with your behavior on Thanksgiving Day, but our welfare demands that we be thankful. Our relationships demand it. Our relationship with God demands it. And we do that by deliberately cultivating this attitude, by simply being grateful, counting our blessings one by one. You know, one of the best things, I'll end with this, one of the best things about Thanksgiving Day for me, I love Thanksgiving Day, but I also love what happens the next day. Friday, what happens Friday? Black Friday, the shopping, that's not what I'm talking about. I hate that, right? No, right? All the, all the music on the radio goes Christmas music. That's okay. You know the best part about Friday? The, the bells come out. Yeah, the bell ringers, Friday. They show up outside of the stores with the little pots and their bells. And it's an opportunity to do what? Express Thanksgiving for all that I have been given. And I love that. I love that. I'm under no delusion what the dollar that I put in the pot can do. I'm sure it helps. But more than anything else, I remind myself of how much I've been given. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you do bless us, Lord. All of this talk about Thanksgiving would mean nothing if you did not bless us so richly, if you were not so good to us, Father. And Lord, we know it's to our benefit 
is to our mental, psychological, emotional wholeness to be beneficial, and it's fatal. It's fatal to be ungrateful or not to have gratitude, Lord. And yet we need the reminder. We need the reminder. And this week, we've got an opportunity to remember that you call us to be a grateful, thankful people. I pray, Father, that all of this week and then moving forward, Father, we would deliberately cultivate this attitude of appreciation because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord this morning.